On the 24th of January, 2019, we will be releasing our 50th episode. Woohoo! And even more exciting for us is the fact that our podcast has been downloaded over 20,000 times and we are so keen to meet more of you in person. So if you're in Perth or you can make it over, join us for a celebration lunch on the 24th of Jan and hear from a panel of some of your favourite past guests. You can get tickets via our website. So just go to thejuggle.com.au forward slash 550. We look forward to meeting you there. If you want a satisfying career and a fulfilling family life, this is the podcast for you. Join me, Joel Lulovich. And me, Lucy Dickens, as we share strategies and advice to help you keep your balls in the air. Welcome to the Juggle Podcast. Hi everyone, it's Joel Lilovich. And Lucy Dickens, welcome back to the Juggle Podcast. We've had a request from several listeners for guests who have older children, for people who are running businesses, and for people in regional areas. And today we're covering all three of those things. Yes, today we have Tracy McFarlane, who is a business owner from Meriden, which is a small country town about three hours from Perth. It's in the central wheat belt in Western Australia. Tracy's an entrepreneur. She currently runs five businesses and a farm, and she's passionate about small business her rural community and ensuring that women have opportunities to learn, develop and have a career while juggling family life. Before she took the leap into the entrepreneurial world, Tracy worked in high-level management roles in both McDonald's and in Bankwest. She has a double degree in accounting and marketing and she's currently completing an MBA in international business just because five businesses and a farm was not quite enough. (laughs) And of course, with all of that, she's also a mother of three girls. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Lucy. Nice to be here. You're welcome. The question we like to ask of all our jugglers first up is what time did you start your day? This morning, 4.30. 4.30? Yeah. Is that normal? That's pretty normal, yeah. So why? What happens after 4.30? Well, I generally like to get up and uh, get my household organised and then I like to dash off at 5.30 and go for a swim, which gets me back by about 5.30. Um, which is in time to make sure that my youngest daughter is up and getting ready for school, in which time I just generally answer any emails or, or anything that's come from over east because they're well into their day by our 6.30. And it gives me an opportunity to do that and uh, you know, have some brekkie and spend a little bit of time with my youngest daughter and then uh, drop her off to school or head off to work myself. So you've got three daughters. Can you tell us how old they are? Yes, I have an 18-year-old, a 17-year-old and a 13-year-old. So my 18-year-old has just had a gap year and she's starting a degree in commerce next year. My 17-year-old's just finished her ATAR exams and is working full-time for summer and then hopefully she wants to get into forensic science. So hopefully she'll be doing that next year. And little one's just in uh, year seven. Oh, that's great. So Lucy and I both have younger children. My oldest is nine. So what have you found in terms of how your juggle has changed from those young early days to where you are now? Well, girls, you've got a lot to look forward to because it's a lot easier now. Oh, yay. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> We've heard some people saying that it's easier, some people saying that it's harder. No, it's for me it's most certainly easier. Um, my two older girls are very independent. I like to think that um, Neil and I have raised them that way. 
they both drive so they can get themselves to and from work or to and from whatever event they need to do. So really, it's pretty much like only having one child. And given that she's 13, it's pretty easy. She's probably quite independent too. So now they're at that stage and they've all got a high degree of independence. What about the in the middle? So my daughter's two and a half, so I've still got all of this to look forward to. And and some people say that school, the expectation is that when children go to school that they don't need you as much because they're not there for that big chunk of the day. But other people have said that they didn't find that. And in fact, they found that their children needed them to be there more to help them to just deal with the emotional and homework and all those kinds of things that come with that. What did you find? Look, I think for me, the quality time with each child was more important than quantity. Mm -hmm. I mean, Within my staffing ranks, we've only got four guys and most of them are women and most of them are mums and they have young kids like yourselves. We all have that mother guilt that just drives us all insane, I'm sure. But I think every child's different because my oldest daughter was incredibly independent and didn't require a lot of my time, really, even ever. She just, when she wants my attention, she will ask for it or she will give me a mood indicator that will say, okay, well, it's time to spend some time with you. Whereas my other two children were probably required a little bit more. However, saying that in this last two years with my second daughter, who's finishing off her high school, she required me to step away quite a lot, which I actually found quite difficult because I like my children and I like spending time with them. But she really needed me to just step back and let her do her own thing. I really think everybody's probably different, but I do think that we've got to stop giving ourselves a hard time about it and just address each child as they come along. And given that you've got three girls and (laughs) Lucy and I have both got girls as well, what do you want for them in terms of their future given that, you know, here we are three women talking about this juggle between work and family life. So what do you want for them? I want them to be good human beings and happy individuals but also challenged. So whether that be in marriage, career, parenthood, whatever, whatever really makes them happy, I'm pretty happy to support. My eldest daughter got a scholarship and went away to MLC for boarding school, which was not something that we had ever planned to do with our kids. We wanted to keep them home. As I said, she's fairly independent, so she has has her own ideas. But when she finished boarding school, we found something really lovely that she wanted to come home for a while. Mm. So she wanted to be at home. And now she's had a year off she really still wants to stay home because she's learned that there's actually quite a benefit to uh, country living and we're only three hours out of Perth and three hours away from the airport so you can travel but now she's starting to become more independent and seeing a future for herself so again I just want my children to be happy but I don't want them to be not contributing to society Mm -hmm. and I don't mind what they do they can do anything they like as long as they're contributing in a positive way and they're good people that's really all that matters and I I hope that my husband would say the same that's nice (laughs) let's have a talk about your career because you've had a varied career moving from big business to small business and running your own businesses even at what point during your career journey did you have your first child so I was 28 and I was working at a bank Mm-hmm. So I was probably into, I guess you would say, my second career. And while while we were planning our children around then, when you first fall pregnant, it's actually quite a bit of a surprise. And you think to yourself, crikey, am I going to have to give everything up for this? Yes. So, you know, so I was quite confident and comfortable with myself and in a really good place. But, yeah, I think I still really went, oh, shoot, what have I done? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be able to handle that? <laughs> So how did you deal with that? 
Well, real blessing. Um, my first child was one of those that was just really easy. So after six weeks, she was sleeping through the night. Wow. My husband and I were looking at each other going, what are people talking about? This yeah. parenting <laughs> this is easy. <laughs> um, so yeah, she was a real trick. And at that time, what I, I did, I've got a, my mother-in-law only lives six kilometers away. So that was great. And when I went back to work, she would watch her. And on the days that she was not able to do so, I would take her into work with me and I, because I had an office. So I could arrange my work schedule around having doing my reports on the days that I had Asher with me. And then I worked from home two days a week too. And I don't think, uh, while the bank was very supportive of that, they'd never had anyone ask that before because I was one of very few female managers at that time. Mm-hmm. So we just managed, we just did it yeah. and uh, worked a lot at night. It's interesting. I also took Lily into work with me when I had her. She's my first daughter and I'm pregnant with my second. And by the time this comes out, I will be almost about to have my second child. And lots of people have been saying to me about how they felt differently about work and how maybe that's not, I wouldn't quite, maybe that I might not not do the same again or that my views around work will change. And so this is really interesting for me, given that you did a similar thing. You went back to work, you had your daughter with you. When you had your second and your third did that then change your views around your career and your priorities? A little bit, but then I think it changed back again. So for mm. me, when I had my second daughter, it was a very quick 12 months after the first one was born. Mm. So um, she was a complete surprise to all of us. Um, <laughs> what you can't do is you can't take two, a 12-month-old and a one-month-old to work. No. So um, I did drop down to three days a week when I had my second child, which I didn't do for the first, I went straight back to full time. And again, I worked pretty much from home and then just shared the responsibility with my mother-in-law. And then as the girls got a little older, they started going to daycare two days a week. So I think from memory, they were about one and two. And then I went back to full-time work. And I think because I really enjoyed work and they were being very flexible with what I needed to get my job done, it was great. That didn't last forever. You know, I think all corporations change and that's fair enough. Business is changing all the time. But that really happened when my third child came along, which was four and a half years later, because I wanted to be available to go to, um, you know, school school things, you know, mother-daughter day. I wanted to go and see assembly. And unfortunately, at that stage, when I started having children my chief manager was very very supportive unfortunately at that stage I had a different chief mm-hmm. who wasn't as supportive so that was when the discussion came up with myself and my husband how about it's time for me to do something else and I always wanted to be my in my own business so that was it the something else was I'm going to start my own business yes because you know my background is in accounting and marketing so I know running your own business is no picnic yeah. <laughs> but I can go to assembly Mm -hmm. I can go to a sports day. I can nick out at 11 and pick them up from school and take them to a dentist appointment. I can replace myself within my own business to do that. So that was one of the driving forces behind it. That end, I found that women are probably really similar. For me, appreciation for work done is far more important than any salary that you can get. And I found that with the new chief in the job that I was doing, I just wasn't appreciated. Really, he wasn't interested in appreciating anyone, I think. And that changed my life. So (laughs) I think for the better. (laughs) 
It's funny how sometimes you need just a little, um, a moment in time, a push from one thing or another. Like for me, it was moving to the country. That's what prompted me to start my own business. And, you know, for you, it was a change of boss. And I think there's always, there's usually some interest or indication that you have a, an interest in running your own business and something just prompts you to get it going. So how did you find, I mean, you've talked about the ability to be flexible in terms of your day and how you structure it. Do you think that running a business while having kids is the better choice than being employed in a large organisation? Yeah, no, not for everyone, for sure. I mean, I'm, um, I'm a really driven individual even within my careers before I worked for myself, I wanted to be the best that you could be. I'm competitive. I've got a really strong work ethic, which is, you know, from my parents who, who ran their own business. And, and I can be downright annoying because I, I just don't want to stop. I'm a little <laughs> bit like a Kelpie. I just keep going. <laughs> so, so no, it's not for everyone. And one of the things I like the most about myself is I don't succumb to stress very easily. I don't like a lot of things all at once or things going right or wrong don't tend to make me freak out. Mm -hmm. I think that's what made me good for self-employment because when you've got, well, for me, several businesses going on at once, I have several different fires that need to be fought at the same time, but that doesn't ever really seem to overwhelm me. So while it's been awesome for me, it was a really great move, fantastic choice. I'm not sure that it is for everybody because you don't get a paycheck every week as well, you know? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just mentioned that you're very driven and you want to be working and it's hard for you to stop. How do you then deal with boundaries? I mean, obviously when you were working, well, maybe not obviously, but I'm assuming when you were working at the (laughs) bank, you had set hours, at least as a standard, maybe there was overtime here and there. Whereas when you're running your own business and particularly if you're running it from home, work is everywhere and can infiltrate every second of your life if you let it. So how have you dealt with that over the years, especially given that it's not just one business, there's lots of them. So there's always things on the go. Look, that's really tricky. And again, I think that's an individual person. Um, For me, I probably didn't do that very well for about the first five years of being in my own business. I'm very fortunate that I have a very supportive family and um, a really supportive husband who just kind of let me fly with it and try and do my best. After about five years, I guess I reflected on myself. I do a lot of self-reflection because I really think the only way you can grow is to have a damn good look at yourself. Um, And I realised that I really wasn't doing the best thing for myself. And that came about the same time where I needed to get my knee joint replaced, which was, you know, that's something that an old person does, not a (laughs) 41-year-old. So when I had my knee joint replaced and I had to take three months off work, I had a lot of time to reflect on where I wanted to go in the next 15 years which was really great. And it also showed me that the teams that I put in place at that time were very capable of what they needed to do. They really didn't need me to be there all the time. And it helped me step back a little bit. So look, I think that's trial and error. You said that people in your team are women and women with families. And you also have had the experience of having a very supportive boss and then one who wasn't so supportive, which ultimately led to you leaving their employment. How have those two comparative experiences influenced how you now treat your staff? Like completely influenced me. The way I am with anybody that works for me is fully supportive of their individual needs. I've only got 42 staff, so it's not thousands and thousands of people. And I like to keep it that way so that I can actually get to know them individually. And having the businesses that I do, it makes it more flexible for meeting their time frames as well. So, for example, I've got 
two or three mums that prefer to start at five o'clock in the morning and finish at one because their husbands can get their kids up and ready to school or daycare and then they can pick them up while their husbands are at work. Mm -hmm. And then I've got a couple of mums who have the opposite situation Mm -hmm. where their husbands start work early and can pick the kids up from school, but Mm -hmm. then they can't. So they can work in the afternoon. And you can only do that by getting to know your people and finding out what suits them. So yeah, I think having both types of bosses really influenced me a lot. And I also, in my previous jobs, I was predominantly both jobs, one of very few female leads. And quite often I would joke with my colleagues, you know, I'm sorry, I, you know, I have to go home. I can't go out and do whatever you're doing because I don't have a wife. You've got a yes. wife. Yes. You know, you'll go home, your dinner will be on the table, your clothes will be washed and ironed, the kids' food will be made, everyone will be ready to go. When I go home, I've got to do that because I'm the wife. Yes. And they would laugh at me and think it was hilarious, but it, it's factual. It's totally factual. Annabelle Crabb wrote a whole book about it. So So I don't think that should hold you back, but making sure that women have what they need as well as what the business needs within my workplace is such a priority for me. It's just, it's one of the things that keeps me going every day. And how do you deal with the fact that some employers say, I do all of these wonderful things for women or for men, whoever it is, you know, I make the workplace flexible and then they just take advantage or, you know, then it just becomes, they owe it to me and it's just normal and they stop sort of appreciating it. How do you deal with that? Yeah, you're exactly right, Joe. And you know what? That does happen. A few individuals here and there have done that over the years. Mm. It's the individuals that remind me every now and again how wonderful they think their workplace is mm-hmm. that keep you going. Yeah. Just recently I had, well, not recently, it was about probably eight months ago now, I had an employee take full advantage and that hurts your soul. You think, mm-hmm. crikey Moses, what am I doing? But then 15 or 16 or 17 other staff members will come up and they'll put their hand on your shoulder and say, you're a very good boss. Mm. We really appreciate what you're doing. And I think maybe I'm getting softer as I get older, but in this particular situation, my staff actually sent me flowers because they could see that I was really disheartened by what this person had done. And that alone turned me back around. Yeah, and you can't rule and make these rules that no one can work flexibly because of the exception. Exactly. And the other thing about that is obviously we don't know the details of the circumstances, but if they were that kind of employee, they were probably going to be taking advantage of you whether they were working flexibly or otherwise. Or not. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. And they'll continue to do so probably in the next jobs. That's not got really anything to do with me. Yeah, it's right. There's someone else's problem now, Tracy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to take you back to your comment that you've just mentioned about having a wife. I don't have a wife at home, so I have to go home and do all the cooking and the cleaning and whatever. Yeah. Do you think those things, those traditional things that would be the responsibility of the wife, should they all be a female's responsibility? Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> Good. I was not. hoping that was the answer you were yeah. going to get. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And what I've done for how I've, you know, managed my career and run my businesses over the last, you know, 15 or 20 years, I couldn't have done without my husband. He's mm-hmm. very hands-on. I mean, to the point that I think Asha, who's my oldest daughter, she was about three months old before I'd even bathed her. Right. And I remember the first time I had to do it because I was like, shoot, what am I going to do? Am I going to do this right? (laughs) Because Neil was the only one that had done it. So that's something that I hope for my children, if they decide to get married or find a partner or find a life partner, that they find someone that balances them out. Mm. Neil's very he's very calm and he's very chill and I'm go, go, go. So 
we really balance each other out very nicely. So I'm very, very lucky there. And, you know, he doesn't get away with it. No way, Jose. <laughs> he has to pull his weight. <laughs> Um, so aside from the fact that we all don't have wives, which, you know, I think we all regret, um, <laughs> you also are living in a, a regional area, as we've already mentioned. Do you think that there are added difficulties? I mean, and typically the regions are, are much, well, I find there's more of that traditional focus on women being at home. And if they do have jobs, they're the traditional jobs, you know, nurse, teacher. So what do you think the extra challenges are or do you not think there are extra challenges for women who are wanting to have the career and the family in a rural, regional area? Yeah, Joe, there's massive challenges. I reflect back to when I first started at the bank, even the other women that worked at the bank at the time weren't very nice or weren't very supportive of a female bank manager who was mm -hmm. a farm wife. Mm -hmm. Because traditionally, and we're looking, you know, we're talking 20 years ago, but traditionally farm wives don't work. And if they do, they do something part-time. Yes. You know, oh, yes, I work two days a week at the bakery or, you know. So for a professional woman who was a farm wife to come in and take charge, yeah, I, I probably spent the first at least three years of my time in my home without any girlfriends because yeah. they, I just didn't fit. So, you know, I'm relatively determined. So, so I just kept plugging away and thankfully oh, I've got good girlfriends now. How but did you find them? Sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah, netball, tennis, swimming. And that really helped because then I met women that didn't work with me and didn't know me at work and didn't know what I did for a career. So they just kind of thought, oh, yeah, she's a handy player. We'll have her on the team. And I began to make friends with them. And then by the time we were friends, they realised, oh, dang it, that's the bank manager. Should, oh, jeepers, um, it was too late. We were already friends. So, but it was challenging. And it were times that were, there was a lot of nastiness and snide comments that you would hear. And you do have to have thick skin. Because I'm from Melbourne. I'm an inner city kid. I grew up in the city. I've travelled the world. And here I am on an 8,000 acre farm, literally in the middle of nowhere. Yes. The closest town is 60 kilometres away. So the adjustment was really challenging. And I think now it's a lot better. We support ourselves a lot better. We look after each other a lot better. That's women, I mean. Yes. Women in the workforce. But yeah, it was very, very challenging. Yeah. And there were some times where I would say to my husband, what do I do? You know, I'm not going to give up my career to be a farm wife because then I'd be miserable. I'd be a bad wife, mm -hmm. bad person, bad mother. So, uh, yeah, I think you just kind of have to grin and bear it, kind of like high school all over again. What does it mean to you to be able to have your career and your family? It's imperative. When my husband and I decided to get married, I did say to him, are you okay with me pursuing a career out there, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I can't be a stay-at-home mum. And he said, oh, I don't want you to be. You'd be miserable. <laughs> so that alone was fantastic. But probably even from the age of about 15, I knew that I wanted to have something that would challenge me all the time and make me learn and make me grow all the time and try and make me be a better person at what I'm doing all the time. I didn't always know that I wanted to have a family until I met my husband mm. because he wanted to have a family and that idea that he had just kind of rubbed off on me, I suppose, because even when we met at 20, I was 25 when we met, I had no idea that I wanted a family. I didn't say that I didn't want them, but I wasn't going, oh, yeah, we definitely want to have children. But then after the first one, I saw how awesome they are and I thought, well, yeah. I've got to do this again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, yeah, let's do it again. But career and family, super important, but I wouldn't be the person that I am today without being able to have been successful within my career. 
I certainly think I wouldn't have the marriage that I have today as well because being married for a long time is challenging for anybody, girl and boy. Yes. And I know myself, if I don't have a lot to do, I become annoying. <laughs> and I can imagine trying to be married to someone for a very long time who's annoying would not really go down very well. <laughs> this is about personal fulfilment and filling your own cup and having to look after your own needs to then enable you to be the wife and the mother and the friend and the business owner that you want to be. And it sounds like you're doing well at that. The first thing you said you do, or you actually know, the first thing you said you do was to tidy the house in the morning and then you go swimming. So you're you're obviously making time to do the, and sport you've mentioned. So you're making time to do the things that are important to you outside of your family and outside of your work. How do you prioritize that? That's challenging. And you know what, Lucy, I haven't done that well forever. I've probably only just started to get really good at that balance in about the last three or four years. And when you've got a brand new business or several brand new businesses, you make that choice that you need to dedicate yourself to it. So you do forego your own personal needs for a certain amount of time. You know, I'm a little older and wiser now, so I suppose, um, and I, you know, I'm of an age where I'm nearly 50, so I've got to think, hey, kiddo, you need to be healthy. You want to be around till you're 85 or 90, and to do that, you need to make time for yourself. When I was starting this and I was only young, I mean, I could go for 18 hours, seven days in a row and keep going, but you can't do that to yourself That's anymore. So, right, it isn't. And I think it's probably just a few ducks lining up together. You know, my children are a little bit older, a little bit more independent. And my businesses are under full management, so they really don't need me very much. I'm kind of just there as a consultant or, you know, go and have a bit of fun or to fill in if someone's sick. So now I make time for myself. I've recently started doing uh, an MBA in international business, which sounds silly given that I'm kind of coming to the end of my career. But that choice was for me because I wanted to learn something new. I wanted to see what was out there and I wanted to get the cogs working a bit. Sounds like you're just about to start the next career. Yeah, I'm thinking you just said you're almost 50. You've got years left of your career. (laughs) We've spoken a lot about your businesses and the way you manage your family and your businesses in, in general terms, but we haven't actually spoken much about what it is that you do. How and why did you choose to go from one business to multiple businesses? What led that decision? How did that journey play out? Yeah, that's a really great question. When I decided that... I wanted to venture out into my own business. I looked at several franchises. I worked for McDonald's for about nearly 10 years. So you would think that automatically I'd go to straight to McDonald's. I actually shied away from that, not because it's not a great business model, it certainly is, but because it takes about 80 or 90 staff to run a McDonald's successfully. And I wow, didn't want to wow. step away from what I was doing and into that. Mm. So I was looking for something smaller. So what was the first business that you had? Subway. Subway was the first business. Subway was the first business. And that's one of the reasons that we chose Subway. I don't know if you guys have travelled, but when I travelled and when my husband and I travelled before we were married, we ate a lot of Subway. It's healthy, it's fast, (laughs) and it's relatively good value. So I liked the business model. I knew a lot about franchising, so I went for that Mm. because I knew that I could run that business with 10 to 15 staff, Mm -hmm. which I knew I could manage really easily. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, well, it's also not 24 hours, so I can manage that. So that's why we went there. We were in Subway for about, it was about two and a half years and I had six awesome full-time staff, all of which should really have been managing the store because they're all very talented and I did not want to give them up to someone else. So being the selfish individual that I am, I went and bought a rundown business and moved three managers down to the new business and kept three at one. That doesn't sound selfish. It was a strategic decision. Look, you're creating opportunities for your staff. (laughs) That's how I describe it. 
That was a cafe business, correct? That's right. Yeah. There was a, um, a very small cafe that was relatively run down. The lady who ran it was a real sweetheart, but she was exhausted. She'd been running it by herself for very many years mm. and she just wanted out. So, um, you know, we went in and took it over. We um, closed it down for 10 days, gutted it, refurnished it, put everything new in there and opened up again. So um, that business is about eight or nine years old now. So mm. that's that's going pretty well then. The third business came along two years later, I think. One of the ladies that was working for me at the cafe was a well-known hairdresser in the area and wasn't hairdressing. And while I was very happy to have her at the cafe, she's great with the customers, I asked her, why why are you not hairdressing? And she said to me, because the salons in town don't suit my style and they're not high class enough. And I said, that's pretty direct. Okay, well, why don't we just make one? And she goes, really? Okay. So we did that. Her, her husband, myself and my husband, we sat down over dinner that week, discussed what we wanted to do and had that business up and open and running in three months. Wow. And that business is going to be six years old this year. So it's doing pretty well too. Wow. The um, fourth little shop just came along. Um, you know, a couple of, couple of things fell into place. Um, the lady had a gift shop next door to the cafe. I wanted to move the cafe into a bigger building because it wasn't in a big enough space. We'd never had enough room. I was looking to move the whole business and she just said to me, well, I'm thinking about selling. Do you want to buy? And I said, yeah. <laughs> so we opened the doors up between the two buildings and now we've got a 90-seat cafe and a gift shop. Mm. It was just a product of circumstance, but it was perfect timing. So we took it. And on the side, there's number five. Yes, I have a, a little uh, property development company. I guess that was kind of my hobby. I mean, I've always liked the property market. I was very interested in it. I've got a grad cert in property investment. So that was kind of opportunity knocking that people weren't taking. And I just thought, hmm, I've got to do something with that. So I think over the years, we've probably bought and sold or bought and built and sold about 20 homes. And We've currently got, I think, four commercial properties. Mm. Yeah, so that's kind of just a bit of fun on the side. And, I mean, the good thing about property is that you can do that inside and outside of normal mm. business hours. That doesn't have to be nine to five because those kind of people don't really operate nine to five. They're busy building and actually physically working at that time. So yeah. um, that's kind of still fun and I'll still keep pottering away with that <laughs> probably forever. I look forward to hearing what number six ends up being after you've done this international MBA. <laughs> well, we've got number six. We've got a farm, an 8,000-acre farm. Course. So, of course yeah. you do, yeah. <laughs> of course. So that keeps me pretty busy. But, no, I don't think I will venture into any, any more business. Look, I could be mistaken, but I, at this stage <laughs> I, I would say I probably won't. I think maybe if I do do something different, I will probably go and work for someone else again. Mm. I think I've got a lot to offer more people and where I am, where I'm situated, where I live and regionally, there's, I'm probably giving as much as I can to the people that I can. Mm. I'm not sure that there's too much more that I can offer, but I still have so much more that I could give and so much more that I can learn too from other people. Mm. So I think perhaps, yeah, I, you know, I don't know what, what I'll do, maybe some consulting or something, I don't know. Who knows? That's down the track. I just think it's wonderful that you have the attitude that you can do whatever and wherever and whenever. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what Lucy and I want, I think, for, for everyone who listens to this is to know that there are options. And you don't have to be stuck in one thing. No, goodness no. I mean, if you would have told me 25 years ago when I came to Perth for a one-year secondment with McDonald's that I would own six businesses and be living in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> I would have laughed at you. <laughs> 
So yeah, yeah, I think you've just got to take the opportunities when they come and don't be afraid of a challenge. Well, that leads us really nicely into asking the question, whether or not you have a mantra, is, is there some words that you live by? Oh, look, there's probably lots. I mean, if you ask my staff, I'm always spouting something. I, always, <laughs> I do like to say, I like everybody to look for opportunities to be excellent. So whether that's a small thing like perhaps opening the door for a lady with a pram or an elderly mm. couple, that's an opportunity to be excellent. If there's, a, a, you know, an employment opportunity or a career opportunity that could lead to something excellent, don't be afraid to give it a whirl. I mean, what's going to happen? Okay, so you fail. Doesn't matter. Pick yourself up, go back on, give it another try. I also tell people quite often within my group of staff that I'm not interested in excuses. So, um, I, and, and you know what, I live by that. So if I've got a problem or an issue or something that needs fixing, I don't make excuses for it. I label it as it is and then I look for a solution. So I try to encourage people that if they've got an issue or a problem to, yeah, okay, verbalise your problem, but don't verbalise it without a solution. That might not be the solution, but it'll get you thinking. So they're probably, I guess they're the things that I live for. I'm always looking for an opportunity to be excellent or to learn more. I'm not interested in excuses. But I, I understand that sometimes things don't go your way, but I always look for a solution. If there's one piece of advice that you have to give to women who are managing the juggle between their career and their family, what would that be? Stop feeling guilty. Don't feel guilty. If you love your children and you feed them and you clothe them and you give them quality time, they're going to turn out to be brilliant human beings and apply that to your partner as well. They need quality time too. And then apply that to yourself. Sometimes in the completely reverse order. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Not always the same. But I think for working mums, the, the, the guilt is that, you know, you know, don't give my children enough time. They don't need lots of time. They need quality time. So true. Thank you, Tracy. This has been fantastic. It's been a really great conversation. You're welcome, Lucy. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to buy your tickets to our upcoming 50th episode party on 24th of January, 2019. You can buy those tickets at thejuggle.com.au forward slash 50, which is five zero. Looking forward to seeing everyone there. See you next time. Happy juggling.